you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Draft week in the words of Silk Sonic 777. Let's go. This is Vegas. You are looking at the draft stage three days from now, live from right there. The future stars at the NFL will take the stage. It's the 2022 NFL draft. It's presented by Verizon. It all kicks off April 28th in primetime on NFL Network. More coverage on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Deportes. Visit NFL.com slash draft for more info there. And welcome to Good Morning Football. We're presented by Ram Trucks all week long. Appreciate them uh, and appreciate you for choosing us this morning. We're sitting here at the breakfast table in New York mm-hmm. with Matt Castle. Yeah, Matt. Hey! What's up, Castle? Oh, it's good to be back. Yeah. You know, these beautiful faces. I miss uh-huh. you guys. Miss you too. Well, and you, girl. Oh, thank you. Yes. I appreciate you. Absolutely. What have you been up to? Are you, like, you're a draft guy. You like the draft. You got to love the draft and what it does, not just for the franchises, but also for the individual. And you have an interesting draft story we'll have to dig into this week. Kyle Brandt is here. Hi. I.K. Adams. Then they're studying. And then there's Peter Schrager and what he does with the draft. Yeah, and Kay, I used to come in on a Monday of draft week, and I'm like, okay, we know who's going one. We know who's going two. Mm-hmm. I got nothing. Let's go. And this, really? is, this, this is the Job, year dude. where they all just are like, throw the mock drafts away and never mention them again because the amount of conjecture and spy versus spy stuff going on in the top five is off the charts right now, which makes this draft all the more interesting. I love it. We don't know who's going number one. It makes it fun. Let's go to Vegas. It is early in the morning, late at night, I guess, <laughs> depending on what you're up to in Vegas and what most people are. Tom Pelissero joining us. There's fountains. There's, this Vegas grill is going to be great all week long. Three days to go, Pelissera. What is the scene like out there in Vegas ahead of round one on Thursday night? And extra good morning to you. Definitely early for me, late for all the people I walked past as I came over here to our suite at the Cosmopolitan. Let me set the scene a little bit for you here. Obviously, you got Caesars right there behind me, the Bellagio's just off camera, the Bellagio Fountains, which you showed right behind me here. That's where the arrivals are going to be starting on Thursday night, guys. You look great. It looks like it's a green screen behind you, but it's the real deal. Meanwhile, Tom, the also the other real deal is the Jaguars are only the sixth team in the modern era to go back-to-back number one overall picks in consecutive years. They got to stick the landing on this one so as we are now just a few days away from them really stepping up to make the pick what are the Jags thinking well Jaguars GM Trent Baalke said late last week they're down to four players who are possibilities with that number one overall pick now certainly you would expect within the building they got a good idea who's going to go number one overall but usually when a GM says that publicly it's in an attempt to get somebody to move up that they like several players and would be willing to move back well that's been one of the stories as I've talked to general managers in recent days is without that number one clear-cut quarterback prospect there's just not a lot of teams that are looking to move up in the 
draft. So if the Jaguars presumably stay at number one, certainly some of the guys we've talked about, Trayvon Walker, the edge player from Georgia, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan would be two of the names potentially in consideration, but they also had visits late in the process with Iki Aquanu, the tackle from North Carolina State, Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. A lot of uncertainty, and that really runs throughout the top ten, throughout the first round. This is one of the most unpredictable drafts, as Peter mentioned, that anybody within the league can remember, and it all starts out right there at number one. Also a lot of pressure, especially with Trent Baalke and those Jags picking at the top, yet again, it's something I'm certainly keeping my eye on. Thank you so much, Tom P. Talk to you throughout the morning here. Three days out. Shriggs, hit me. What's the storyline that you were really zoning in Mm. on for Thursday night? All right, so big picture, it's the uncertainty, but like very micro in New York City, it's can the Jets and Giants field football teams? Because we haven't had them in the last several years. And I look at those two squads who kind of hold the keys of the top 10. Ironically, both playing in the same market, but look at that. You are talking about just less, 40% of the top 10 are Jets and Giants picks right now. Two teams that we haven't been able to talk about on Good Morning Football for years as relevant actual contenders, and they can get really good after the first day of the draft. You get two blue-chip players, you can do it. I look at this combo of men, Robert Sala and his general manager, Joe Douglas, and I have to think that these guys are thinking we're going to get an A-plus guy at four and then an A-plus guy at ten. And if you have those two cornerstones and you have Zach Wilson from last year and Vera Tucker, two first-round picks from last year, there are no excuses. You have four first-round picks in two years. For the Jets, they have four picks in the top 40. If you can't field a competitive team with four picks in the top 40, I don't know what to tell you. It means that you misfired on picks, but also you haven't gotten the most out of those young players. As for the Giants, here's what I'm hearing on the Giants. I'm hearing offensive tackle at five, whether it be Neal, Icky, or Cross. And I'm hearing they're trying like heck to trade back at seven, Mm. collect more assets, Mm -hmm. that they are in salary cap hell still, the worst salary cap situation in the entire league, that they're going to try to load up with some extra picks in this draft. But for me, it's those two organizations. Yeah, the Jaguars are up there and the Lions and the Texans. But this draft for me really starts at four with a market that is so hungry for football. Football's the number one sport in the land right now. And this city, number one in the media Mm -hmm, markets, mm -hmm. has not had a competitive team Mm -hmm. in at least half a decade. Mm -hmm. So I think Jets and Giants controlling Mm -hmm. the keys Top 10 is what I'm getting fired oh, up man. for. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. For me, it's this quarterback class, right? When okay. you're looking at it. And the reason I say that is because that's what sells. It's the most important position on everybody's team. But when you're looking at it in these teams that are in need of a quarterback, are you going to go out and grab a guy like Kenny Pickett because of his experience, because he's the safe play? Because I'm not trying to take anything away from him or discredit him. He can make all the throws. He can make second reaction plays in which he can get outside the pocket. He's got athleticism. So I really like him. And he's the most NFL ready because of the scheme and the type of transition that he would make Mm -hmm. into the NFL. But then, on the other hand, you've got a guy like Malik Willis, right? Who, he he just jumps off the page at you, right? He's got a complete cannon for an arm. He is absolutely a dual-threat quarterback. He can run the RPOs, the zone reads. But again, it's kind of a gamble because how does that type of play transition to the NFL Mm -hmm. and translate into an NFL locker room? So you have a lot to consider with that. And is one of these teams willing to go and put all their poker chips in the middle of the table in Vegas this week and say, I'm going to take Malik Willis and go, hey, this is my guy, considering that he might, you know, while his ceiling is this high, he might be a project. And where do those guys go? I think the story is Thursday night is going to be chaos. Mm. I think Friday morning is going to be a disaster, a beautiful one. 
really mean that. So much mystery. What I'm looking forward to is, I've talked about this a little bit, for fans and for spectators, at this point in the draft buildup, you start to get into this belief that the mocks are right and that this is how the picks are going to go. And then when your team takes someone else, you're going to, what do you mean? Lance Zerline didn't have my, it doesn't matter what Lance Zerline had on draft. It's what the team did. And if you look at the mocks, just if you look at all of them for this media group, there's about eight of them, including Peters, nine different players going in the top five. Regarding Kenny Pickett, Chad Reuter has Kenny Pickett going to the Lions at two. Charles Davis has him going to the Lions at 32. Yes. Charles Davis has Desmond Ritter taken before Kenny Pickett. Peter has Matt Corral in the first round. Cynthia Freeland, who goes at a different different angle, she has zero quarterbacks in the first round. You might think, okay, Cynthia found some numbers that are obscure. Bucky Brooks has zero quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the first round, and Bucky Brooks is a tape guy. Peter King released his mock this morning. Kayvon Thibodeau falls all the way to 13. Malik Willis, not drafted in the first yeah. round. Malik Willis is attending the draft. Peter King, who's as plugged in as anybody, does not have him in the first round. And and this is all not to mention all this chaos in the middle of the draft. Debo Samuel is traded. Yep. Baker Mayfield is traded. Jimmy Garoppolo is traded. Do, 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 do. Friday morning, people are going to be shocked. They're going to be angry. Typically, it's the first three, four. We know. We know how they're going to. Let's get to one of the crazy picks. They're all crazy picks. 32 out of 32, and I can't remember a draft like it. <laughs> the NFL Network should cut that as a promo and be using that as the selling point, because that's truly it. It's the indecision, and it's the unknown, which is, so, and it's in Vegas, of all places. I know, right? right? That is, like, perfect <laughs> sitting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's quarterbacks that we know are going to go top five. You outlined it perfectly. I'll ask you, you played the quarterback position. You're one of these, you know, you outlined it very objectively. Now right. get in there. You're a quarterback needy team in the top 10. Are you going with the experience of Pickett, like you said, or are you going with the potential of Malik? You know, it's it's such a difficult decision, but I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett because I just think that he's the mm. most NFL ready right now. And when you look at his skill set, look, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He doesn't that, but he delivers the baby. He finished third in the Heisman Trophy running. He's actually a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. He can definitely run the zone read and all that stuff. But when you look at the way that he progresses through a read, the concepts that he was he was given throughout the course of the year, like that defined what an NFL quarterback is in how he had performed. Look, and a lot of people want to discredit him because he only played one year of superior football at the college level. But look, we can all look to Joe Burrow and say the same thing mm, about sure. his career and what he was able to do. Matt Castles thought it through. When's the last time we didn't know who was going number one overall? Was it 2018 Baker Darnold? Even though I really thought it was Darnold. Baker was, Baker was a shock. But you knew there was a few guys. There were yeah. thoroughbred quarterbacks, and that's not the case here. I mean, I'm thinking back to Eric Fisher, a tackle being Luke taken. Jokel. Yeah. Luke Jokel. Luke Jokel. All kinds of people like that who are just being thrown. It's a really weird draft, but yeah. a fun way. Elsewhere in the NFL landscape, let's take a look at where Super Bowl champion Matt Stafford has been. He visited his old stomping grounds in Detroit. Why? Well, that's Mickey Cabrera, of course, to watch the Tigers' first baseman get his 3,000th hit. It was important for him to be there. I thought this was pretty cool. It is. I can't. Mm-hmm. Mickey Cabrera is playing us still. It's unbelievable, like the career, the career that he's had. But the respect among these athletes and these memorable, pivotal moments in their respective careers, and a ton of those have happened, of mm-hmm. course, over the years. So I'll ask you, and I'll start with you, Mr. Castle. If you could go back, what incredible, monumental sports moment would you have loved to be a part of? 
Well, this is simple for me. I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles, L.A. Dodgers fans. Last year, I got to take my boys to their first game, Max Muncy, walk-off home run, nice. Arizona Diamondbacks. But my moment that I would have loved to be at, 1988, Game 1, World Series. We've got a, a gentleman by the name of Kurt Gibson. His only at-bat in the World Series walks up off Dennis Eckersley, the most dominant pitcher of the time. I mean, the man can hardly walk. He can hardly get out of his wheelchair at that point. And he comes up 0-2 against Dennis Eckersley. Hits a three-run homer, walk off, and I've been at Dodger Stadium, and the, it's so electric and so much fun. And as soon as that happens, and they win a ball game, the song comes on. Dun, 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 dun. I love it. There it's, it is. It, it's awesome. So that's that's my moment. I don't believe what I just saw, and I love that you can see the tail lights leaving Chavez Ravine in the right field as the wall goes over the wall. Classic LA fan right there. That's it. And I'm gonna go with a similar <laughs> kind of moment where fans were like, ah, because that was '88 for the Dodgers. They hadn't one since Fernando Mania in the early 80s and it was like the Rangers of New York yes hockey had waited 54 years to win a Stanley Cup and every time they played the Islanders or the Devils or the Flyers you'd hear chants of 1940 this isn't when there was 30 teams in the league they're part of the original six so they'd been waiting 54 years game seven after giving up a lead in the series to the Vancouver Canucks Brian Leach Adam Graves Mark Messier and the boys they take it home in New York City gets a World Cup Start spreading the news. You got their Stanley Cup, and I remember being a kid in Jersey and this being like the only story in sports for about, oh, I don't know, three months. And then the next year, the, the Devils won. But it was the Rangers winning the Cup, and still remember Mike and the Mad Dog going back and forth to Vancouver, to New York City, then to Houston, because the Knicks were playing the Rockets in a series. It was an amazing time in New York sports as we sit here today, and gosh, New York City has not had uh, many moments for joy on any of the sports okay. teams of late. I can feel the Genesis controller in my hands. It's got a little pizza <laughs> grease on it, just a little bit. You know, Mickey Caprag, I got pulled into this YouTube wormhole the other day. Watch the 03 World Series. He faces off against Roger Clemens, who is 20 years older than him. <laughs> Clemens goes up and in on him twice. Two times, Cabrera ends up going opposite field home run. It's an amazing World Series. That was after the Steve Bartman series in the NLCS. It's great. But for me, uh, I would love to be in Hawaii. Right around February, coldest month of the year, 2007. Mm -hmm. We're in Hawaii, a little vacation. Oh, look, the Pro Bowl's in town. I would go to the Pro Bowl. It was, 2000, it, was, it was Belichick coaching against Peyton. Your boy Carson won MVP. There was an Adelius Thomas touchdown, and that's all great. But imagine being there and having your concessions and whatever it is, and you're in the stands. And this in this sleepy Pro Bowl game in the third quarter, the AFC says, I think we'll punt. No, we won't. And you're standing in the stands watching this happen. With due respect to the Rangers and to Kirk Gibson and the Dodgers, oh this might be the greatest play in sports history in three, two, one. Oh, good night. Aloha means goodbye. Brian Mormon, oh Mahalo, Sean Taylor. Maybe my favorite NFL play, maybe my favorite sports play, maybe my favorite uh, moment in human history. Man walks on moon and Sean yes. Taylor lays out Brian Mormon. That's right, and there's no there's no conspiracy theories, Peter. This actually happened. <laughs> this was not on a stage in Los Angeles. I would like to be in the field in, uh, in Honolulu just to watch that happen. And then uh, I'll go and go to a, a coconut bra and have a Mai Tai and just celebrate know. it. Sure. What's yeah. the best sport? moment you've ever been to? I saw uh, it at uh, Rosemont Horizon about 1991. I saw the Ultimate Warrior pin The Undertaker <laughs> after having taken the Tombstone Piledriver, which has since been outlawed, and he shook the ropes, and Andre the Giant was ringside, the late Andre, Andre the Giant. So that was that weren't was. Weren't you at me. the Cubs game? You weren't there. I was, was at a Cubs World Series game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cubs Indians. Be fun. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, paid a lot of money for the ticket that I couldn't afford.
for it. They lost the game and they never lost another one. Shrigs. That's it. I would say being there for the Philly special and those Eagles That's fans cool. celebrating a Super Bowl victory for the first time since 1960. Best moment. That was great. Boston Celtics, Lakers. You were there? Uh, yeah, I was there Which for one? game six. Oh. Uh, Celtics won, and it was phenomenal. Anything's yeah. possible. I mean, Boston went bananas. Yeah. <laughs> David Three's Game 6, 2011, awesome. walk-off in the 11th. Oh. Craziest moment Good. ever. All right, we'll be back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. about you, Kyle. I'm mm. having a great time about the draft. So am I. I feel great. I'm happy. I, I hope you are too. Jacksonville, uh, all these great teams and great players. I got a tweet from someone watching named Stephanie Pruitt six minutes ago. <laughs> Dude, are you having any fun this morning on Good Morning Football? If so, tell your face. She says, I need to cheer up. And I'm not perfect, and I have a lot of flaws on the air. But normally, it's not that I'm not having a good time. I don't have any energy. So what's going on, Stephanie? I'm having a great time. I'm not, what? I'm not a psychologist, but maybe it has something to do with the looming Packers draft choices. Mm. Like oh, they don't take the receiver, so it's somewhere in your, you know, yes. you're like When the Packers spend their two first-round picks on a safety and an outside right. linebacker, right. then I'll need to cheer up. But until then... Let's talk Jags! And it's time for the lead block. Tom, I, we got to talk about these quarterbacks. We've got Matt Castle here on the show, and in the first hour, we're doing flips talking about them all. But the here that we're hearing is that this isn't the same quarterback class as last year. So what do you think happens, and how many do you think actually come off the board in round one? Peter, there's not that clear-cut front-line guy. There's not a Trevor Lawrence or even a Kyler Murray who's emerged as the clear number one overall pick. But certainly, there's a lot of developmental talent, and who people like depends on who you talk to. Let's start out with Malik Willis from Liberty. He's the guy that multiple coaches told me is the only quarterback in this class with true NFL traits because of the big arm, the running ability. He played in a simplistic offense at Liberty, like some of these other quarterbacks did, but certainly they feel like this is a guy who's going to be able to learn. He's got the upside. If you need somebody to play right now, it's Pitts Kenny Pickett. But the question on him is just the arm talent, whether or not you've got that elite trait that you can fall back upon, whether he's going to get a whole lot better than he was last season when he had an awfully good breakout season. Then late in round one, several general managers I've spoken to in the past few days believe we could get a run on some of those other quarterbacks, whether it's Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, maybe even Matt Corral. There's a couple of factors here. For one, there's a bunch of teams at the top of the second round that all need a quarterback. If you move into the first, not only do you leapfrog the Lions, who are a threat to take one at number 32, but you also get the financial advantages of having the fifth-year option. If you've identified one of those guys and they slip to an area you think you can go get them, it would not surprise anybody if we see one or more trades back into the first to grab a QB, guys. 
It's an excellent point by you, Pelissero. Appreciate you setting the tone for us so early in the morning. Grab yourself some coffee, and we'll talk to you in a bit. Can we get? I want some like flavor behind him. I want Same. some. Uh, <laughs> I want some of those people making their way home this morning <laughs> out there in Vegas. All right, let's go to the top of the draft. Uh, still a mystery. What's going to happen? Everyone overall, the Jags are making that choice. GM Trent Belke is is weighing that decision. He talked about his pre-draft process at a press conference. You guys already know who you're going to be picking, or is that still a work in progress? That's still a work in progress. It's how many players are truly under consideration at number one? Have four. you narrowed that down? Down to four. 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 You know, Aiden's a good football player. There's other good football players in this draft, and there's going to, who's going to be the best player when it's all said and done? Heck, if we knew that, we'd go to Vegas and lay the money down. All right, so that's Peterson and Balky there. He says four players for Jacksonville. I think yeah, every mock draft I've seen, at least over at NFL.com, is split between Aiden Hutchinson, who he says is a very good player, and Trayvon Walker, who's a very good, different prospect than Hutch. So what will the number one pick say about the Jags and what they're building for the future, Kyle? You've been pretty adamant on what you think should happen yeah. in that spot. You know, their first draft pick was all the way back in 1995 in the expansion draft. And now, 27 years later, I think it's the most important draft pick they've ever made mm. in their entire organization. I think it is the number one important one that they cannot blow this. I've talked about this a lot. No team in NFL history has ever had the number one pick three years in a row. The number one overall pick. And they would do that if they fall on their face this year. Um, there's a lot at stake in the sense that it's, it's fallen into what we just showed with the mock drafts of... Sexy and bold versus safe and conservative. Now, I don't think Aiden Hutchinson is that safe and conservative, but if you're the Jaguars, like, you have to land this plane. Last year, you went sexy with the coaching hire, and you went bold, and you're going to blow everybody away, and it was an unmitigated disaster. It's one of the worst, it's the worst decision they've ever made was to hire Urban Meyer last year. So, if you, if you, even if you do believe that Hutchinson is safe and solid, great. Get safe and solid. Are you looking around their division? I don't see a lot of sexy anyway. Mm. I see Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill. And, like, I don't think you need to compete with the AFC West or you need to compete with Lamar and Burrow. You know, if they if they go and they take the risk and they get Trayvon Walker and they say, screw it, we're going to go for it, God bless them. But also that GM has a lot on the line. And he survived Urban Meyer. And he has survived fans showing up to the stadium in costume in protest of him. If they do take Trayvon Walker and he turns on into a disaster, that's the legacy there of this time, of him, of everybody. I genuinely believe Van Hutchinson is a double-digit sack guy who is really going to be a star in this league. But even if you don't, even if you do think it's conservative, if there was ever a time to just be like, for the love of God, we just need to have a solid pick here. <laughs> this is the time to do it. And I think it will work for them. I really hope they go Hutchinson. I don't know if they will, but if I was advising them, I'd be like, guys, don't mess this up. Get Hutchinson and get go play ball. That's good advice. Could you imagine? Like, just don't mess this up. The, the one pick, you're like... They're different from other and, teams. And that's why I'm with you on Aiden Hutchinson. You know what? I think he's the most complete defensive end in the draft. He's dynamic. He had 14 sacks this last season. He can play in coverage. But you know what the interesting part about him is a lot of times when you watch these guys that rush on the edge, they, they don't always have a rush plan, right? They don't have multiple moves. But this guy always has a rush plan. He, he can use his hands. He can use speed to power. I mean, he's just a dynamic player. And the other part that you constantly hear about 
about Aiden is that he loves the game. He's going to work. He's a leader, not just with his voice, but also with his actions. And that stands out a lot. And that's what this organization needs right now. They need to change the culture of this organization. They need strong leadership. And it starts from with the coaching staff and the management, but then it starts with the players inside that locker room. And a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who is the captain of that team, mm -hmm. he's a guy that can go in there and change the dynamics of the locker room and show guys how to work. And yeah. that's what I love about it. It's a right pick. They get it. It's an A the next morning. We talk about other teams. We say, oh, the Jaguars did the right thing. But when you hear the GM say it's down to four guys, yeah. I don't think he's bluffing. Yeah. I, everything I hear around the league is like, it might not be either one of those guys. Evan Neal might be first overall. And if Evan Neal's first overall, he'll be the first tackle taken first overall since Eric Fisher was so many years ago. And it's like, okay, they've got Evan Neal first overall. It's that wide open a draft. And I'll make the case for Trayvon Walker. Mm -hmm. And it's not just some freak show footage from the combine. What he did is very 2022. He played everywhere last year. He's versatile in a Micah Parsons NFL. This is that guy. And, and they, there isn't a Micah Parsons in this draft. There isn't a... There might not necessarily be a Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater in this draft. It's not that draft. Certainly isn't a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson or a Jamar Chase in this draft. So if that's the case, is this not the draft to take a swing and say, all right, maybe he didn't have as many sacks in college as Aiden Hutchinson, but this guy could play over center, he could play outside, he could play defensive end. And I look at Trent Baalke's history, I've said it on this show for a month now, that's been the history with him. He doesn't take the sure thing. There were several sure things in 2011 when, you know, they passed on J.J. Watt and Robert Quinn and Cam Hayward and Cam Jordan, and they took Alden Smith. And Alden Smith, in a top 10 pick at the time, everyone was like, Alden Smith out of Missouri? Mm -hmm. Went on to have the most sacks ever in the history of football for a player in his first two years. Like, Alden Smith was that guy. So, Balky, say what you want about his communication skills and how things went down in San Francisco and whatever else. He's got a pretty good track record with the draft, and he knows how to spot a talent. So, if Trayvon Walker is the first overall pick, I think that is true to Trent history, and I don't think it's a bad pick. But the t doesn't the situation matter? Like, you're, you're saying, why not take a swing? You can't take a swing because of the disaster that has been the Jags. And the, the craziness of last year with Urban Meyer and your failures, Trent Balky. like, you think the pressure's on him to maybe not go for the fences, maybe take the safer pick so you can save your job, so you can save face with the franchise. I feel like it's just a different time right now. Like, I'm always swinging for the fences. If he's the best, but you're saying the day after, Hutch they take him, he gets a great draft grade. Mm -hmm. Not that draft grades even matter. If mm -hmm. they take Walker, what's the draft? I think a lot of people are saying, well, they passed on Hutch. So like, how could you pass it's on It's controversial. Hutch? Do we want controversial? And Walker could be great, but Walker then has to be better than Hutch because you can't get it wrong. If there's a team that can't, you are the team that cannot get it wrong. And whoever you take has to be better mm -hmm. than everyone taken behind them. Or I think it'll be seen a bit murky. It's a, it's really, it's a critical draft for them. And that's maybe why not to take it's a It's a great swing. philosophical question. Would you want your GM drafting with the status of we can't get it wrong or mm -hmm. you want your GM drafting saying take the best player available and it I depends think on the team yeah. and the organization the Jaguars got to get to like 500 football and then we can winning begets winning you then Hutch is the guy then Hutch is the guy let me mm -hmm. he said four guys Hutchinson Neal Walker who do you think would I be think the fourth? Icky would be the fourth one yeah, Icky yeah. Connor, yeah. Okay. I don't think Thibodeau okay all right, which prospect, guys, in this year's draft class are you most confident was going to make an immediate impact? Keyword, immediate impact in the NFL. I think the three of us were blown away on Friday by Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of oh, yeah. Alabama. He can play all three positions on the offensive line, but he can also maul, guys. 40 career starts in the SEC started day one, and take a listen to what he said when we asked him on our show why he believed he was the best player at his position in this draft. 
Well, Evan Neal came in and started as a true freshman, so I know what it's like to be thrown in the fire and have to play early. I'm dependable. I only missed one game my entire career due to COVID, so you can count on me to be there when you need me. You can count on me to play. And also my versatility. Played three different positions in three different years in the SEC West. You know, uh, it's a challenging thing to do for sure. But no one's perfect. I'm just trying to just work my hardest to fix my game and play the, to the best of my capabilities. I mean, that guy's a pro, and I can see him playing right now at left tackle, right tackle, or guard, and being very good next season. Mm. That guy right there is a 10-year starter in the league. Is he an all-pro? I have no idea, but I would put my money on, on Evan Neal being a productive player right away next season for a good team, a bad team, or anything in between. Yeah, he's outstanding. I mean, for, for me, you know, we, we are in New York, and one of my favorite plays is here in New York, and they just did a remix, and it's called Kyle, Kyle Hamilton. Oh, yeah! He's waiting in the D3 for you. Go Someone on, baby. Right? want to sing, you sing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I love to sing, but I can't sing. You're not giving away your shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's oh go. My God. Kyle Hamilton is an immediate impact player. I mean, he's a field general. He's a guy that will get everybody lined up, but it's the instincts, right? It's the ball hawking ability, the, the coverage in the middle of the field to be able to get sideline to sideline. And not only that, he can go down, cover tight ends. He'll come up and hit you. And that's what you want. You need that guy in the back, back in to get everybody directed in the right formation, in the right call everything else and he's a guy that will have an immediate impact for any team it's a great answer it's great singing Matt we love it that you went there the answer for immediate impact is Aiden Hutchinson Aiden Hutchinson yes the, the, the number one pick in the draft he will have two sacks in his first game he'll bat down a ball and he'll have juice his teammates will go nuts the sideline will go nuts I don't know why the only comps that keep coming up are people saying well he can't be the Bosa brothers he can't be TJ Watt at best he's a Trey Hendrickson at best that analysis is lazy it's worst it's something else and so if you don't think that Aiden Hutchinson is a, an explosive, talented athlete. Just make sure to look up that, and go to the pure measurables. Make sure you know that he has a faster three-cone drill than Chase Young, that he has a faster shuttle than Khalil Mack, that he has a faster 10-yard split than Miles Garrett. This is a six-foot-seven, 260-pound athlete. I don't care how long his arms are. I care that they're wrapped around the other quarterback like they were three times against Ohio State in a win, which I think was the first Michigan win since the 70s. It's Aiden Hutchinson. That's the pick. That's the athlete. That's the impact. Make it and move on. All right, everybody? That's it. But four. There's four guys that they want to... There's four. Allegedly. And I think there will be one. His name Ooh. is Aiden coming to Duval. <laughs> when Aiden. I hear... What, Aiden. When I hear immediate impact, I think rookie running back spot. Especially... I know they don't go as early as they used to, but late first round, early second round. Brees Hall is going to have that impact. He is an incredible player. He'll go somewhere where he can crush. Think about this, though, over the past couple of years. Najee Harris helps get the Steelers to the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor gets drafted, breaks records. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. Don't forget Sony Michelle. His rookie year averaged over 100 yards a game, scoring six touchdowns during the playoffs alone on that Patriots Super Bowl run. When you look at him and you think he could go to Buffalo, where Peter Schrager has him mocked, just the difference he'll make, the impact, the position he'll be put in, the big moments he'll be thrust into on the biggest stages in that AFC Shrakes, I think he could make it. The comparisons, you'll love this guy, Matt Forte. Love it, love, love. Tulane. It's pretty good. Love it. Let's see if he's the difference maker for a team to make it to the Super Bowl. That's the kind of team that'll take Brees Hall. More Good Morning Football on the way. What should teams be offering for Debo Samuel? We got our thoughts on that straight ahead right here on Good Morning Football. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's do it to Vegas. We go, Tom Pelissero, our guy on the ground there. Three days until round one. I, I think, Tom, we had this vision of you being in the stratosphere roller coaster, like 50 <laughs> stories up. And maybe by the end of the week, you will. We will all be on a roller coaster Thursday night, Tom. And, and that includes uh, people who aren't even going to be drafted. Maybe they're already in the league, like Debo Samuel, 49er star receiver. We're hearing that he wants out. What is the latest you can tell us about that, and how might that impact draft night? Well, here's what we know, Kyle. Debo Samuel requested a trade from the 49ers about three weeks ago. He has not commented publicly on the reasons for that. As Ian Rapport and I have reported, his role as a running back slash wide receiver is certainly part of the conversations. The 49ers have also not commented publicly on Debo Samuel's trade request. They do have him under contract for one more year. They, of course, could use franchise tags after that. I would tell you, I've spoken to several people who know Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and that organization well, who all tell me they do not believe that there will be any motivation whatsoever for the 49ers to trade Debo. Now, having said that, of course, there are going to be phone calls to the 49ers. You would anticipate that there are going to be very big offers. But what would the price be for a guy who Kyle Shanahan has told his own team in the past is the best player he's ever been around? We will find out. You would certainly think if a trade is going to happen, it would take place before round one begins on Thursday night, guys. Wild stuff going on, Tom Pee. We appreciate you. And over the weekend, uh, there were a couple social media sort of spottings of Debo Samuel. Uh, here he is working out this, you know, doing some lifting on his own. Of course, there was a video of him out enjoying some nightlife. There was a marquee being carried to him that said, Debo is staying 49ers. He's in the video and he goes, eh, nope, not. He gives that hand signal saying not so much. So this trade request looms large three days to go, as Tom P said. If you look at the top 10 picks, gentlemen, should one of these teams offer the farm for Debo Samuel? And Peter, what is the farm? What is the farm, right? I've been told I don't really get dealt for the farm. So yeah. what do you got? I asked what what would be his market value to a lot of people, and they were like, it's probably a first-rounder this year and either a first or second next year or two first-rounders this year, which sounds crazy for a wide receiver, but we saw Jamal Adams be traded for two first-round picks. Like, we've seen it before. I look at these teams, and can we see the list again of the top 10 teams? Because I think the Jets are an interesting position to do that considering their connection. We've talked about that with Salah and LaFleur having coached him before. But I'm going to throw a different wild-card team in this. The sixth overall pick right there is the Carolina Panthers. Debo Samuel went to school at the University of South Carolina. Debo Samuel, we've heard a million things uh, come out why Debo might be upset. One of the things that I've heard in the last couple days is that 
doesn't love playing in Northern California. Maybe he wants to play closer to home. If I'm the Panthers, this might be their get out of jail free card. What does that mean? It means you don't have to take the quarterback here. I don't think anyone would be upset if you're a Panthers fan. You're like, mm -hmm. we traded the sixth pick and we got Debo Samuel. And now we've got Debo, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and we'll figure out the quarterback position. We will. We'll get the quarterback position. But you want to talk about pure speed and pure talent. If you can have Christian McCaffrey healthy at running back and you can get Debo Samuel happy to be back by where he played college ball and where he grew up, and then also have DJ Moore, who they signed to a to another extension recently and is fantastic. You've got three of the fastest players in the NFL and three of the most dynamic offensive players that we've seen in the league. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a very appetizing place for a quarterback to want to play. I got to say, I, I don't think uh, the Baker Mayfield thing's happening. I know Ian just had a yeah. tweet that said it's it's likely not. I, I've heard from the start. I don't, I don't think Carolina and Baker were as much of a hot spot as people were whispering it to be. Um, I do think that they are. They would be very comfortable adding a, a talented player like Debo and not having to take Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or Matt Corral at six. So just putting it out there, if geographically this is really a place he wants to be and he's going to come in happy and they want to pay him, McCaffrey, Debo, and DJ Moore, that's a team. Mm -hmm. The quarterback question looms mm -hmm. large. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ian Rappaport did just sort report that, saying the Panthers not expected to trade for Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield prior to the first round of the NFL draft. Sources say if they do it at all, Thursday has to play out first before any other options are considered Carolina picks number six. Maybe they do get themselves a Debo. Matt, what are your thoughts? Mm. My thoughts, I mean, in terms of Debo Samuel, I mean, he's such a unique special player, right? What he does, he had 1,700 yards, this, uh, I mean, 1,700 yards this season. For over 1,400 yards receiving, 300 yards on the ground. He's He can throw the ball, we saw that. But, you know, to me, the, the team that makes sense in the top 10 is the Jets. They've already tried to trade for Tyreek Hill, right? They tried to play, um, trade with two second rounders, the 31st, the thir 38th, and a 60th pick in the thir third round. But, you know, I'd even go as high as to say, I'll give you the 10th pick overall sure. because you're not going to get that type of talent in this year's draft and what you have here, a proven veteran player. And in addition to that, look, the Jets, their last time they had a Pro Bowl wide receiver was Keyshawn Johnson. The last time they've had an all-pro wow. wide receiver is Al Toon. Like, they, they're looking for an electric, exciting, all-pro perennial guy. It's Debo Samuel, and I'm willing to do that in a draft in which you have a ton of draft capital. You can go out and get a guy that's young and can help Zach Wilson go and continue to develop. This could get crazy. <laughs> Here's what I mean. You have this symmetry of uh, one of the best players in all of football with the timing of a draft class that might be underwhelming and where people aren't head over heels with their picks. Mm -hmm. So someone could do it. And now what we're hearing, though, is my question is, how far does it go? You mentioned the 10 pick. You mentioned the 6 pick. Why not stop? Why stop there? If you're San Francisco and you have a conversation with Debo and he's like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I don't want to play another down for you. Why wouldn't you call Houston or call Detroit? Call Jacksonville and say, you want to get nuts? Would you like with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft to have Debo Samuel? Now, you're going to have to pay him, but you have a proven superstar immediately. Or do you want to take a tackle or the kid from Michigan? Like, I don't think there's any limits to this. And I think the way that this draft class lands is, and the way Debo's time is up is, is a crazy coincidence in which we could see history. Now, here's the problem. You got to talk to Debo, too, because if there's something to this, like... I'm a wide receiver. Right. Then get the hell out of here. I'm not interested. Like, I, I, I get it. I respect it. But like, we are. We want you to play Debo. We don't want you to play wide receiver. The numbers that you would look at are what he did last year in San Francisco. Just purely numerically, what he did, the production that he put up. This is it. 
most scrimmage yards ever by a Niner. Rice, 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 Debo. And he didn't do that by being out there and running the 10-yard button hook on third and 10. Right. He did it with creativity, ingenuity, open-mindedness, and reinventing modern offense. So if you want that and you can support that and you got a coordinator and you're ready and Debo's down for that, but you can't trade for him and then he'll be like, I'll be out there playing the X position. No, you're playing the Debo position. <laughs> if you're in for that, if he's in for that, I don't see any limits. And we could have we could have NFL history where a top five pick, a top overall pick, likely won't happen. They're too risk adverse, but I don't see why not. I don't see why you wouldn't at least entertain it that your number one overall pick in the draft instead of Evan Neal or Aiden Hudson is Debo Samuel, and he's coming to Jacksonville. It sounds good to me. Jets reportedly wouldn't give up the 10 for Tyreek Hill. Yeah. You think it's a good idea if they give it up for Debo? I feel like any... The farm doesn't happen anymore. The, you guys, what were you guys doing last week? What segment was it with the Ricky Williams? Oh, yeah, great. that the Saints traded their entire There's draft. a reason those Ricky Williams things don't happen anymore, and it's because there's this huge inherent risk that comes with it. I love that you're bringing up that side of it where it's what? I can't make a big swing trade, let alone the farm, for a player. I don't know exactly what happened there. Are you going to be happy here, and how do I know I can keep you happy here? Mm. I would have to answer all those questions. Now, Salah, of course, knows him, so maybe that sort of takes it the extra level that Tyreek Hill didn't have there. I don't know. I have to know all of those things going forward because you're going to have to pay him big, big money. So before any of that talk happens, it has to be so clear and I'm not sure to this point it is. Yeah, and also, you have to look at Kyle Shanahan, right? <laughs> he, he's a genius. The architecture and how he runs his offensive system and how he utilizes Debo's skill set, not everybody is capable of doing that. Not every right, offensive right. coordinator can put together a game plan that literally is takes him to the limits. I mean, takes him all the way to to get the most production mm -hmm. out of a player like him and his skill set. So it would be very interesting to see Debo in another type of offensive structure sure. because he's not a guy that's just going to line up and be the X receiver Michael all game. Michael in New Jersey mm -hmm. the Jets, they right. run that offense. So that one is the most transferable. Right. You just drop him in there. Ben McAdoo's the offensive coordinator of the Panthers. Do I see him running the no. same offense that no. Kyle Shanahan is? No. The true genius and the guy who I think would be the most interesting would have been Miami with Mike McDaniel, mm -hmm. who was the run game coordinator. But they don't have them first-round picks to trade because mm -hmm. they got Tyreek. It's going to be fascinating to see where these guys go. Because like you said, nobody knows. And that's yeah. the fun part about the draft. This year's Especially draft. This year's draft. 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 Other awesome. years are a little bit more predictable. This year's I'm draft. I'm fascinated no to see your outfit really for day two. Me too. Me too. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy Vegas. Enjoy the party that is draft. After week, we'll see you tomorrow. The big circle. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.